cliffcentral.com. Let us turn our attention now to Dr. Hanan Bushkin, who is, of course, our, our resident psychologist. He's also the person who we call on most regularly to help us figure out stuff that's going on in all of our lives. And uh, we call this It's Going to Be Okay. And we're going to talk to uh, Landy this morning, who sent us an email. She wants Dr. Hanan's help. So, uh, Dr. Hanan, first of all, welcome to you. How are you this Monday morning? Thank you very much. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Doc, I'm going to put Lundy on to you because this has become something which uh, we, we, we kind of like doing. We let people talk to you and we all just eavesdrop and maybe we glean something from, our, from what your, your conversation with Lundy might be that helps us in our lives. And I think it's going really well on that front. And Lundy, I'm, I'm glad to welcome you to the show this morning. So thank you for joining us. Uh, go ahead and talk to the doctor. Uh, good morning, Dr. Hanan. Good morning, uh, Andy. Yeah. So I have a big question for you. Um, am I a psychopath or do I have daddy issues? Um, please, I'd like to read um, from the email that I sent you. Right. Um, so I've had a year, uh, a rough year behind me, and I've been trying to self-diagnose. Right, so last year, my daughter, she um, had a health care, and the differential diagnosis included brain tumor and um, other debilitating diseases. I was very calm, and I simply followed procedure to find a diagnosis. I was not scared. I didn't panic. I never panic about anything, ever. Fear and panic, they lead to illogical behavior, I find. I am practical. I am not led by emotions. I thought to myself, if she dies, then she dies. What can I do about it? I love my daughter to pieces. She's an incredibly um, smart child, and she's easy, very easy to raise. I would cry at night at the thought of losing her, but it never occurred to me that I would not be able to live without her. And this is why I'm worried that I might be a sociopath. (laughs) Um, Perhaps I should mention that I am medically trained, and she, does, she thankfully does not have a, termina, a terminal disease or a debilitating disease. Let me explain a bit about my background. Um, my father died when he was 42. I was nine. I'm 45 now. I don't remember his face. I don't remember how he smelled. I don't remember the sound of his voice. And people tell me that this is sad, but I'm okay with this. Yeah, there's nothing I can do about it. I grew up in a wonderful home I never wanted for anything. Um, So here is uh, my relationship with men. They have not been dramatic, but I realized there is a pattern. As a young lady, I would uh, tend to go for men who were not available, um, knowingly so at the time or not. I've had wonderful relationships with men, um, but when the relationships came to an end, I moved on without any hangovers. I can handle rejection extremely well, I think. If somebody doesn't want me, they don't want me. There's nothing I can do about it. So I believe that life is the way it is and not how I would like it to be. I think this is why it's easy for me. Um, My other concern is that I deal with patients um, and people tell me sad things and when I'm treating them, I, I... I just want them to move on, you know, if there is a sad situation in their life. Yeah, so uh, just move on. And I think, I feel like 
I can move on, why can't you? Um, so I am really worried, um, Dr. Hanan, okay? I don't feel sad when a situation is sad. I can make myself cry when a patient is sad or crying. Um, I think it's sad maybe that I'm, I have so little emotion. But once again, yeah, I can do nothing about it. So, mm. Dr. Hanan, I can deal with whatever the diagnosis is. That's my question to you. Right. So, Landi, thanks for sharing. And, uh, you know, there's such a, a misconception about with regards to what is the appropriate balanced emotional capacity for a person to feel and to express. And the truth is we, we're different. We're individuals. Some people are very emotional, which can be functional or dysfunctional. And some people can be emotionless, which can be functional or dysfunctional. There's certain situations that require you to really feel your emotions and be able to connect. And there's certain emotions that require you to be very intellectual, very logical, very headstrong and emotionless that is way more functional than being um, feeling all these emotions in that particular situation. So the I know from my professional colleagues in the medical field that, and since you're in the medical field too, being in the medical field, seeing people getting sick, seeing people dying, seeing, pe- seeing uh, people losing loved ones, makes you a little bit more jaded, a little bit more cynical about human nature and very logical about, well, what disease is and what death is about. It doesn't make you a sick or dysfunctional person. To your question, which we'll get to in a second, do I have daddy issues? I think the best thing that you can do um, and the best thing that anybody can do in order to uh, figure out whether what they're going through is functional or dysfunctional, first of all, is not to self-diagnose. Don't give yourself a title because you might be giving yourself a title and acting like it just to fulfill that role. So if, for example, you say, well, I must be a sociopath or a psychopath, and you give yourself that label, then you might actually act that out, which is actually not necessarily true. But the question that you want to ask yourself, Landy, is am I functional? And the way you you suss that out, the way you assess that, is ask yourself, am I getting the desired results in all the different areas of my life? How am I doing in terms of work and career? Am I reaching my goals? How am I doing in terms of financial security? How am I doing in terms of my relationship with my family? How am I doing with my relationship with my friends, with romantic partners? Am I healthy in terms of my diet, my exercise, my sleep? Those are eight areas that you should be considering to assess whether you're doing great, whether you're doing fine, whether you're functional. But I want to highlight something quite important, and this is a fundamental principle that I teach my patients, and I want to highlight this. I've said this on the show before, but I want you to judge us as following. We all, every single person on planet Earth needs to be calibrated with external instruments. We all need to be calibrated with external instruments. So what do I mean by that? Pilots, for example, are trained to never trust their feelings when they fly. Pilots are trained to trust their instruments. And the reason why pilots are trained to never trust their feelings is because, as we discussed many times, feelings lie to you all the time. Feelings are not facts. So pilots trust their instruments. And if the instrument says I'm veering left, then I trust that instrument, even though my body might tell me I'm veering right. 
if the instrument is telling me I'm upside down, I trust that instrument, even though my body might tell me I'm completely upright. So I trust the instrument, the instrument. So what are instruments? Instruments are two things. They're people. People can calibrate us or goals and measurements. People can calibrate us on goals and measurements. Now, why am I telling you this? Because I want you to ask yourself, do I have healthy instruments that calibrate me in my world? The mistake that people make is one, they lean on themselves to calibrate themselves. And then they end up gaslighting themselves. And the second problem that people make or the people have or the people express is they lean on broken instruments. It's like leaning on your mechanic to tell what's wrong with your heart or leaning on your doctor to tell you what's wrong with your car. You just lean on instruments that are not valid. We never talk about positive or negative feedback because that's irrelevant. Because if all we talk about is healthy or unhealthy instruments, because if the instrument is healthy, it's reliable and valid, therefore the negative feedback is very good for me. If the instrument is unhealthy, in other words, it's not reliable or valid, then even though the feedback might be wonderful, then it's completely unhealthy for me. Imagine flying a plane and the instruments are always telling you you're upright, you never do anything wrong. That's what, by the way, we call toxic positivity, where you surround yourself with broken instruments that are always telling you that you're fine, you're doing great and you're wonderful and you're amazing and it feels good, but what ends up happening, you crash. You keep on crashing and crashing because you're not being calibrated with accurate, reliable, valid instruments. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, I'll say as follows. That everybody can say, well, I've got mommy issues, I've got daddy issues, but I wouldn't self-diagnose. But what I would ask you is the following. Do you have valid and reliable instruments in your world? That's the first question. And secondly, if the answer is no, then go and look for those reliable and valid instruments to calibrate you. And if you do have those, are those instruments giving you the feedback that you're heading in the right direction? If the answer is yes, then I would continue going as you were with your emotional capacity. And if the answer is no, then I would relearn how to access those emotions in those particular environments to make you more appropriate. Does that help, Lundy? That does help, uh, Dr. Khanad. I think you're absolutely right that um, maybe I'm relying on myself as my instrument. Well done. Yeah. Well done, yeah, Andy. Well. And that's a big mistake. And that's a big mistake. And I want to tell you something. Uh, I've got a, I've got a patient. She's one of the first in the world. Uh, um, she's captains those big cruise liners. Hmm. Um, and she, I asked her, how do you navigate your way from point A to point B? And she said, well, I've got hundreds of instruments on board. And I said, if those are not accessible to you, what do you do? She says, well, I'll lean on the stars to navigate myself. And I said, it's brilliant. All she does is swap one instrument for another. And I said to her, what if that's not available to you? And she said, well, there we crash. She understood, as all people that know how to navigate themselves, that you should never rely on yourself because you will end up justifying and lying to yourself, believing your own bullshit, believing your own biases Mm -hmm. to get you where you think you should go. You rely on your feelings. Do not rely on yourself because you'll end up gaslighting yourself. Feelings are random, and feelings change all the time. You feel good, and it depends on how well you slept last night, the cup of coffee that you drank this morning, your blood sugar level, mm-hmm. your, whether your dog was barking, whether the neighbor was uh, screaming the whole night. A million things are going to impact how you feel. Don't navigate yourself by the way that you feel. Navigate yourself with external instruments. Wow. Um, Doc, you know that we've got to pick up this conversation at some point and, and talk about those people who believe that instinctively – They'll tell you I have a gut feel. They'll tell you that I have I have a and 
an intuition, right? These are the words that people will use. And there are some people who seem to have a pretty good grip on that stuff. Um, and they, they're better at trusting their feelings than others. But what you're saying is almost diametrically opposed to what those people believe is their true north, right? So let me say this, because I think it's quite important for me to kind of put a caveat to that. You can trust your gut if you've had 100,000 hours of good, solid experience, because then your gut is based on something. Right. But when, I, when you speak to somebody that's had a thousand failed relationships and they leaned in on their gut to tell them whether the person in front of them is right or wrong. What are you basing your gut on? Yeah. It's ridiculous. If you base your gut on 10,000 hours of good, solid experience, then I buy that mm. because the gut then is based on something very solid and very foundational. But if you're basing your gut on failed experiences, what are you basing your gut on? What is this gut? What is this gut? What is this instinct? So, Professional athletes, for example, that have had 10,000 hours of good, solid experience can base their decisions on gut. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's had good experience can base their decision on their gut. That's perfectly appropriate. But if you had bad experience, what are you basing it on? Uh, that, that I don't agree with. Well, Lundy, uh, good luck to you. I mean, there were some things that you said there that I, I really felt I could, uh, <laughs> I could identify with too. Um, you know, the, the ideas that, um, that sometimes you have to make yourself feel something. But as Dr. Hanan says, you know, sometimes you've got to change out those instruments. Maybe seek out either someone who is actually a professional who can be more objective about these things or start listening to a little bit of feedback from various quarters. I mean, it could be very, very interesting to hear that stuff. Anyway, Doc, thank you very much. Yeah. And, uh, and Lundy, good, good luck, luck Lundy. Dr. Hanan. There we go. Nice to hear from you, Lundy. Thank you so much for your uh, participation today. All right, Doc, we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. Excellent. Cheers. Bye.